Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hello, and welcome to episode 47 of the SLP Talk Show. I'm Carrie, and I am here with the one and only Jim. Hey, how you doing? We have been missing in action for the past month, and I thought we should probably tell you why. Uh, we did a thing. Yeah. We did we, a thing. We, mo- we moved. We moved. We, uh, yeah. we actually have had our office in our home uh, for years and years and years and years and years, mm-hmm. and we woke up one That's Thursday. a lot of years. A lot of years, yeah. We woke up <laughs> on a Thursday. I remember a Thursday about a month ago, and we just had this like epiphany, like, hey, we need to get the heck out of this house. And <laughs> yeah. um, literally, our, our business has it really overtook our home. I mean, right. we just kept adding, taking another room away from our livable space. Oh, we need more space for yeah. the office. Oh, I need a bedroom for my webinars. Oh, I need the storage room for all of our materials, uh, you know, our inventory. So um, on a Thursday, we woke up and got online and found an office space for lease and... Yep. Now, now we're here. Now we're here. The past in, month in, uh, in in the Lee Summit. Yep. In we're in downtown uh, area in Lee Summit, which is a suburb of Kansas City, and um, it's an old building with yeah. exposed brick, and it's just so fun. So we get up, and we actually drive to work every yeah. day now. It's the first time I've done that um, when I wasn't working for somebody else. Yep. Yep. And I have had my office in my home since I closed the clinic, the speech therapy clinic back in like 2010 or 11. So it's been a long time. So anyways, I know you guys know that moving is a lot of work Mm -hmm. and we are now like, we're old. Um, the last time, (laughs) I don't know, moving is hard. The older you get, the harder moving is. So anyways, um, we are in our new office space and it's very exciting, but we are ready to get back, uh, to, you might hear the, uh, the occasional train yes we're right next to the the train station here in lee summit so Mm -hmm. yeah there might be a train every now and then but anyways before we get on topic we need to do a quick game of chump or champ do we have to we have to are you feeling lucky um no no well i think i i I, you're gonna do well these are easy well i say that Uh, one of them i don't know one of them i wouldn't have known but you're smarter than me so we're gonna see okay um we'll start with an easy one what do you call a person so how this works in case you're a new listener is i ask jim four trivia questions and if he gets them all right he's a champ and if he misses any he is a chump a chump a chump okay um but even if you miss one, I'll love you either way. You know that, right? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. What do you call a person who generously donates large amounts of money to charity? Uh, philanthropist. Philanthropist. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. How many cents are there in one euro? This one I did not know. A <laughs> uh, hundred? Yes. Oh. Good guess. <laughs> 100 cents in a euro. So a euro is kind of worthless. Like, that's not very much money. Well, no, that's the same as a dollar. Wait, 100. Oh. <laughs> See, this is why yeah. I am a perpetual chump. Yes, I get it now. Oh, I was thinking there were like 100 pennies in a euro. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what a cent is, right? <laughs> 
I don't know. Okay, let's move on. Cause, um, okay, uh, who broke the world record in the 100-meter dash with a time of 9.58 seconds in Berlin in 2009? Oh, that would be uh, Jesse Owens. Nope, 2009. Oh, 2009. In Berlin? Yes. Okay, I was thinking 1936. Wow. I said 2009. Oh. I, well, I just... My brain stopped okay. when you got to Berlin, okay. and it just went back. So what's the answer? Um, 2009, um, Usain Bolt. Yes. And the last question for the championship. What color is the precious stone sapphire? Oh, no. You think I'd know this? Surely you do. Is it purple? No. No, it's blue. Oh. I'm sorry, Jim. We're both chumps today. Oh man! <laughs> so I get I get the uh, the Euro and uh-huh. Usain Bolt and Jesse Owens back in 1936. Yeah. Okay, okay, very good. 36 Olympics. In All Berlin. right, let's move on. Yes, I'm sorry, you're a ch- you're a chump, <clears throat> and that's just the way it is. Don't so. I get some extra credit though for knowing Jesse Owens? Yes, you do get extra credit. And, and I know he went to Ohio State. He went to the Ohio State the Ohio University, State, the All world right. famous Ohio State. Now that's what people are calling it. Is it the no. world famous? Okay. Excellent. All right, here we go. Are you ready to get down to our topic? Uh, Since we just moved uh, into this new office, we Mm -hmm. have recently gone through a major transition. And so I thought that would be a good topic for today. Yes. I thought we'd talk about transitions. Okay. So when we talk about transitions, they can be major life events like the one we just went through. Um, A major transition might be moving into a new house. You Mm -hmm. know, remember we did that three years ago with Aaron. Right. Uh, But transitions can also be day-to-day activities, such as moving from one activity to another Mm -hmm. or maybe moving from one setting to another. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about transitions, I think it's important to really recognize that transitions are disruptions. Okay. And when you look at it that way, I think it's easier for us to understand why transitions are difficult for some kids, especially neurodivergent kids. Okay. Um, So... I want you to really think about how many transitions each one of us makes every single day. I mean, what if you actually had to stop and count how many transitions you had in a day? How many do you think it would be? Mm, Man, I don't know. I wonder Um, if anybody's ever done that. I'm sure. Wouldn't you say maybe... I mean, Sheldon Close. Sheldon Cooper could tell you. Sheldon Cooper could, yes, on Big Bang Theory. I would say, I would guess that we spend a great majority of our day transitioning. You know, sure. maybe it's like a fifth of the day, a fourth. Of, I mean, I would think it's a, a large percentage. I think I read somewhere that in a school day. So you're saying that every time you start one activity and and then stop it and then start another activity. That's a transition. That's a, that's tr- Absolutely. Okay. Um, like, yeah, I would, I would say that's 15, 20 day i think i read somewhere i mean i don't have anything to cite it but i'm pretty sure i read that in a school day kids transition approximately 25 percent of the day 25 percent that's a fourth of the day wow yeah that's why i think that you know when so i really 25 percent of the time they're that, in transition that they're in school which is what about seven hours yeah day? that they're either moving from one class to another moving one from one subject to another having to get materials out so let's say it's eight hours so that would be two hours of their day is spent in transition okay wow. so i just want you guys to think about that and i and i challenge you to kind of think about um intentionally wake up one morning and really sort of track how many times you transition in a day hmm. like i was kind of thinking about it today before we started recording this podcast we each have our own office area and how many times i stopped stood up walked over to you so we could do something come back start again i mean i had i bet you 15 transitions um in an hour you know well, and i think that when we're when we're counting them 
like that, you know, I, I think that's where I th- a lot of jobs are very stressful for mm-hmm. people because there are maybe even more, even more transitions yeah. or interruptions. Well, that's, that, see, that that's why happened. disruptions, that's yeah. why I think that word, because we talk in the, in the therapy world, if you will, in the education world, we talk about transitions mm-hmm. all the time. Tra- oh, he has difficulty with transitions. Oh, this student struggles with transitions. Oh, this three-year-old struggles with transitions. But if we could reframe it as disruptions, mm-hmm. I think it's easier for us to understand why they're right. so difficult. Well, right? yeah, because like, you know, coming from the corporate world or people that work in the corporate world, it's always about, you know, um, kind of your effectiveness or your efficiency and productivity and productivity Mm -hmm. and and things like that even in the therapy world i mean think back to your your days um doing um long-term care you know you were you had to be productive a certain amount of the day so right um, right but yeah that's that's interesting that it's that it's that much so one of the reasons let's go back to our move that we wanted to move out of our home office was because of all the disruptions. Mm -hmm. What did I say to you over and over? I was like the puppies. We have these two adorable little Shih Tzu puppies and they're not even puppies. They're grown puppies. They're, they're two years old now. Their birthday's actually like in two weeks, but, um, they are a constant disruption. They're a distraction, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the puppies, we have all the Amazon deliveries. That's me. That's all me. Oops. Yeah. Um, we have puppies. We have, you know, I'm like, Ooh, I could go throw a load of laundry in because I'm at home, right? I work from home. Oh, I could go out and mow the lawn. You know, you, you do yard work, right? So we have all these distractions, all these disruptions. Aaron gets home from school. Oh, we need to stop and go talk to him. And so um, that was one of the reasons why we felt like we were ready. We needed Mm -hmm. to separate home from work because we were not doing a good job. I think our mental health is better, don't you? Because now when we're home. I think so. I mean, because it was always that constant battle of uh, should I be doing something for my house or for 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 work or for work or, you know, you were just, you would do, I mean, I think the transitions were even more than what we have here, here by by because at least when we get here we know we're at work right. so um one of the topics that i have become more and more interested in professionally over the past few years and jim knows this because i've been talking to you about it like on a daily basis but is executive function skills right mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about executive functioning and so here's the deal as i was kind of preparing uh this topic i really it really hit me that when you stop an activity in order to move on to a different activity that actually requires the executive function skill called inhibitory control. Mm, so okay. it's actually, I, I just got to really thinking, oh my gosh, I think one of the reasons transitions are so hard is because it really is about executive functioning. So there's okay? a skill that you have to develop in your brain. that Right, in the prefrontal cortex, and it's called inhibitory control. Well, then think about this. Once your nervous system has stopped the previous activity, mm-hmm. now what you have to do is initiate a new activity, and guess what? initiative Mm -hmm. which is technically the process of organizing prioritizing and activating or initiating a task is another executive function skill and also shifting your attention from one task to another is guess what executive function is an executive function skill okay so this is where i just every thing just seems to bring me back to executive functioning anymore okay Mm -hmm. and one thing we know is that autistic kids kids uh, diagnosed with ADHD um, uh, often struggle with executive functioning and so I'm like gosh this is all just starting to to really make so much more sense okay so one thing that we know as humans is that change is hard would you agree with that statement oh absolutely 
So for autistic children, change can actually be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. We have an autistic son. Aaron is now 19. And we know that Aaron has always um, really thrived with predictability, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When he was younger, I used to say he doesn't do new, um, you know, because he just, he always wanted, you know, he likes to eat the same foods. He has the exact same schedule. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. to the the minute like he goes to bed at 9 p.m on a school night not one minute earlier and not one minute later and when we suggest like on the fourth of july oh you want to stay up late he goes to bed at 9 30 in the summer when he doesn't have school but do you want to stay up late and watch fireworks and he's like no i go to bed at 9 30 you know he's very so that mental flexibility guess what mental flexibility is an executive executive function function skill right so oh okay so for autistic children change can be overwhelming so it may be due to problems with executive functioning it may be due to their nervous system really needing predictability to help keep all that anxiety at bay we know aaron is has a lot of anxiety okay that's a great and interesting word you just used in in the anxiety because i think that you know when there are lots of transitions and lots of um, external stimulus to to our day as neurotypical um, people that that it adds stress to everything think back to, to COVID and to the pandemic when we were all at home. Everybody yep. was at yep. home. Your your kids were at home with you. They were trying to do school or they were, you know, off of school. Right. There was all these things that added to the anxiety, the stress, the whole the thing. The not knowing, right? Yeah. Not knowing. Not right. making And then life... not knowing what was happening in the world. Yeah. You really, know, or if it was going to get better or if there was going to be anything any cures or anything like that. I mean, that was a very stressful time. And it was, and it caused a lot of anxiety for everybody. So, you know, the stress, all that, all that's born out of. Absolutely. So it, one thing to know too, is that insistence on sameness and inflexible adherence to routines. This is word for word, um, taken from the diagnostic criteria in the DSM-5. So to, to receive a medical diagnosis of autism, one of the traits of autism is mm-hmm. insistence on sameness and inflexible adherence to routine. So all I'm trying to say is that this is why a lot of times autistic kids struggle with transitions, struggle with these disruptions, right? Is because it's part of their neurotype. It mm-hmm. describes right. their nervous system and that predictability keeps anxiety at bay. Okay. So what I want to do is talk today about some transition strategies for supporting autistic kids and actually for supporting anyone who struggles with executive functions, you know, who struggles with change, who really thrives in predictable situations, who struggles when there's changes to routines, when, you know, there's um, novelty, if you will, Mm -hmm. who struggles with mental flexibility. And and isn't mental flexibility and, um, you know, the transitions the anxiety, maybe just a lack of control or perceived well, lack actually, of control. Well, actually, because isn't that when we all become anxious? It's when we lose control, when right. we don't know. So part of what we're going to do is make things more predictable. Now, those okay. are the strategies we're going to talk about, okay? Because it's all about preparation. It is preparing the nervous system for upcoming changes, okay? So mm-hmm. that's what we're going to talk about. Does that sound good? Yep. All right, so the first thing we're going to do is we are going to presume competence. Even if you are 
um, interacting with a non-speaking child, mm-hmm. okay, um, right. interacting with a child with an intellectual disability, we're going to presume competence and we're going to start by telling the child that change is coming. So we might say something like, it's almost time to, or in a couple of minutes we need to, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but then after you give that kind of verbal preparation, you want to give the child time to process, okay? You can't tell them change is coming and then immediately expect them to transition. So you sure. can't walk walk up the second it's time to go um, sit at the dining room table and eat if the child is engaged in an activity you know watching a show or playing with a toy or whatever it is they're doing you can't just come and go okay come on it's time to go eat like that's not preparing them so you need to say to them mm-hmm. it's almost time or in a couple of minutes okay so that we can and then you need to be able to walk away give them time to process so that's what I mean by presumed competence even if people have said to you oh he doesn't understand what you say or she doesn't follow um, spoken directions or whatever it is mm-hmm. we're still going to presume competence uh, regardless of what standardized testing is said about language comprehension we're still going to respect them and tell them that change is coming okay but here's one of the issues the concept of time is abstract okay in two minutes in a little bit right. after a while soon tomorrow mm-hmm. next week like all of that so it may make perfect sense to you and I as adults sure. but when we use concepts of time uh, because it's abstract you've got to understand that there are going to be um, some kids uh, who just don't grasp that it's concept. still gonna be too yeah. sudden it's too them. it's it doesn't it doesn't have that that concrete meaning okay yeah. so because time is an abstract concept and because processing spoken language can be difficult for some kids it is probably a good idea to start thinking about visual preparation cues that you're going to use in addition to your verbal cues you're still going to say it okay but we may need to add some uh, visual cues as well so we're going to go through these and I think I have 13 Woo! Woo! are you ready let's do it okay number one um, consider a visual timer and Jim I actually put a picture on here of what it looks like because I'm not sure if you've ever seen it it's called a time timer it's available on Amazon or you can go to timetimer.com but what's cool is it has a section of red indicating the allotted time so you can set it to like 10 minutes or five minutes or 20 minutes and then what happens is the red section disappears as the allotted time runs out that's pretty cool isn't that really cool so it's called a time timer okay Mm, so if you're not familiar with it you can look it up but what's wonderful is that way you don't have to keep saying to the child okay Okay, buddy in one more minute we're gonna be done okay buddy like you can actually set it and walk away okay, okay. Nice. Um, because what we don't want to do is bombard the child with too much spoken language because uh, for some kids remember when Aaron was little and he would say things like um, if, if we would sing to him and he didn't like it he would actually say stop singing right. like he would get very frustrated and sometimes he just walks away if somebody's talking too much I, you know, he just walks well, away. He would also say no, thank you when we were going to say when we said we're we're going to the store. Oh yeah, he would say no, thank something. you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, and it was his polite way of yeah. of saying that yeah. my nervous system is like, not cool. I'm with not this. going. Yeah, exactly. So the visual timer that's number one. <laughs> number two, you can also consider a visual countdown. So um, you might let's say you have a child who is doing a puzzle and they really like this puzzle. Maybe okay. it's a ten piece wooden mm-hmm. inset puzzle and they've done it. 
18 times and you're like, I really think we probably, you know, it's time to to transition. Yeah. Move on to something else. (laughs) If you're in a classroom setting, or maybe it's actually time to go get in the bathtub at home or whatever the transition is. So you would show the child, maybe you'd have a number three, a number two and a number one. And you would say, I would hold up my fingers too, as a second visual cue and say, you can do the puzzle three more times. Right. And then, so they do it one more time and you take the three away two more times and they Mm -hmm. do it. You take the two away one more time. So don't, Think about these strategies as using them to try to get compliance with like non-preferred activities in a learning setting. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when life demands a transition. You know what I mean? Where it's time to go eat. It's time to go get dressed. It's time to go to the grocery store. It's time to go to school. It's time to go take a bath. So we just want to think about having these visual strategies available. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, The third strategy, visual strategy to consider would be an actual visual schedule that outlines the order of events you can add like an arrow and just the arrow might have velcro on it so Mm -hmm. that you can you know put the i mean everything probably is going to have velcro just so you can put we're going to do breakfast you know um we're going to go to the restroom we're going to wash hands we're going to get dressed and then we're going to get on the bus do you know what i mean so you might have five pictures and then you could have an arrow um where the child physically moves the arrow you know and you could move it down so it just kind of shows um you also if they're velcro you could take one off and put it in a basket so it kind of shows so there's lots of ways that you can organize that but we would call that a visual schedule and it allows the child um to physically see the upcoming changes you know how many are left in this event in this routine all right the fourth visual strategy to consider would be a visual kind of using visual sequence pictures to show steps in a task so for example I might say to a child, go brush your teeth. But for an adult, we know that involves multiple steps. For mm-hmm. a child with executive functioning struggles, right. brush your teeth. They don't even know how to get in started. Do you know what I mean? Because first you have to get the toothpaste, get the toothbrush, take the lid off the toothpaste, put the toothpaste on the toothbrush, turn the water on, put the toothbrush under the water, turn the water off. Think how many steps are involved. Right. Right. And we just got through a, a very small portion, right? Sure. So you can use visual sequencing pictures. And the good thing is you can just use your phone and you could actually take pictures of the child doing them so that they see themselves in the pictures. Or you could use a sibling or another child yeah. or yourself, you know, um, and or you could just use the objects, you know, and show. Uh, the visual schedule. I, I know that like there's an app that um, is out there right now. I, I don't have the specifics on it, but like uh, I was talking to Aaron's teacher and she said, you know, like if, if there's like something that happens, mm-hmm. like um, you got a flat tire oh, or, okay. you know, you, you know, the bus is late. Uh-huh. What should I do? Okay. So you, you click on that what you know the bus is late mm-hmm. and it gives you kind of the steps of okay i should call my mom i should oh wow it know, gives you the yeah the steps and then tell her interesting you know, that so it's kind of like problem solving too. yes yeah For, yeah and i think that's more of a it's like an executive function kind of yeah absolutely uh, helper Absolutely. Absolutely. So that would be, you know, using kind of strategies for supporting problem solving, whereas this is steps to like complete a routine, but they're both important, right? All right. Number five, Uh, we know at our house how important calendars are, right? So once the child understands what a calendar is, understands that it's projection into the future, you can also look back into the past, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, a calendar is really helpful for one-time events that are different from everyday routines. So so like Aaron has his dentist appointment on the calendar, um, even though he just went, it's in six months. He wants right. us to write it on. So I always have to buy 
the next year's calendar pretty early, you right, know, as soon as right. they come out because he wants those things written on there. Like, oh, when is the next doctor appointment? Tonight, um, we're actually going to the alpaca farm, right, uh, right. you know, and that's something new, something different. And so we've talked about it over and over. It's on the calendar. So what Aaron has done his whole life um, is gone to the calendar to check out things. Oh, when are we going? Or when is this, you know, when's my haircut? I mean, he's been talking about the puppies going to the groomer and we had to cancel because, you know, there yeah. were things that happened and we had to reschedule and mm-hmm. he gets very concerned concerned about that like but the reason it doesn't cause him anxiety is because it's written down and for him for some reason if it's written down it it just reduces his stress i think it gives him a sense of 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 control like the situation's under control it's taken care of absolutely absolutely the other thing you can do with a calendar is cross off days to make it a countdown how many days until school pictures how many days until thanksgiving or christmas or hanukkah or whatever it is how many days until um we go on our vacation right so it's a countdown like do you remember in elementary school did you ever use and make rings uh, out of construction paper and you'd glue them together and you'd rip one off how many days till your birthday or to right. the holiday, yeah. you tear it off. It's the same kind of thing, but you mm-hmm. can literally just use uh, a pen or a marker and cross off the days on a calendar. The other thing that Aaron has taught us about is the use of perpetual calendars. Right. Aaron has at least three perpetual calendars going at all time in his room. So he has one for how many days until whatever the next major holiday is. But right. then he has another one for how many days till the next second major holiday. Right. And right. then one for how many uh, days so, until the third yeah. major holiday. Yeah, so he has like... Christmas next and then he has like Easter after that. Or New Year's, Valentine's Day. He's got them all. And his his world... See, one of the things too, I'm telling you, I, I just... I, I just learned so much. Aaron has taught us so much. So hyperlexia is when a child um, reads before it is developmentally mm-hmm. um, expected, okay? Right. Um, with hyperlexia, it doesn't necessarily mean they comprehend what they read though, right? Sure. Because there is usually um, a receptive and expressive language um, disability that goes with that. But the other thing I've learned recently is that Aaron also has hypernumeracy. And that is an intense interest in dates, in mm-hmm. numbers, and we know Aaron has always had a fascination with how many days or what what date are things. You know, he knows what what year movies year come out. Every Pixar and Disney movie was released in order, and he knows also who voiced all of the main characters. Like right. his amount of trivial knowledge. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Oh, if we could just get that kid to go to trivia with us, um, <laughs> I don't know if we would ever lose. Okay, he's that way now with with music too. Oh my gosh, what, he is when so. When this album came out, when you know what songs were on the album. Yep. Yeah, how many minutes the song? And man, are. I'm telling you, he his music interest. He is. Yeah, he's Metallica. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely into the metal. <laughs> the heavy metal, yeah. So he rocks our house. Yes, uh, definitely. Okay, so the calendar, right? Um, and different types of calendars. Uh, another thing you can do as kind of maybe not so much a calendar, but another visual would be to if you're going to go somewhere, like when we go to this alpaca farm tonight. If Aaron had anxiety about it, I could get online and show him pictures. I could go to their website, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to go to um, a new theater that maybe you've never been to to watch the new Trolls movie, maybe you could get online and show the child. That's what's so awesome about living in the digital age is mm-hmm. you can get online and find pictures or videos of. Disney World, of the zoo, of the restaurant you're going to go to. And so that just, again, helps with preparation. Well, think about the last Iowa football game we went to. I got online and I could see the view from my seat. Yeah, absolutely. So you knew they were going to be good seats. 
Be yeah, close, it's amazing. You know? It's amazing what you can do now. Okay. And so you can use um, technology to help prepare nervous systems sure. for upcoming change. All right. Number six, consider using a transition picture. So this is where you would present a picture or an icon of the next task or the location where they're going to be going. So perhaps in school, you would give the child a picture of the library or of the cafeteria or mm-hmm. of the playground and you just show them and they can hold it if they want, but it just helps them to understand this is where we're going next, right? So it's a visual. You're obviously going to say it too, but sure. you can yeah. provide that visual transition picture. Nice. All right, number seven, maybe consider using music. Maybe you play or or you could sing a transition song. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what people thought about the big purple dinosaur Barney, but that kid, that Barney, <laughs> that, that dinosaur taught kids to pick up their dang toys. Yeah. Why? Because of the cleanup song, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So I want you guys to always remember how for over a decade, every kid cleaned up their dang toys thanks to Barney yep. the Purple Clean Dinosaur. Up. So Clean that up. is a transition song. I still remember that song. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't remember all the words, but I remember the melody too. Yep, absolutely. How about singing the Days of the Week song to indicate to the child in the morning that it's a school day? So Days of the Week, Days of the Week. There's Sunday and there's Monday. I'm a terrible singer, so I'm not going to sing it. Oh, but that's, I, thought, I thought you were doing good. Yeah, but it's the Adams family, right? <laughs> it's with the snapping. But if you, if the child wakes up in the morning and you want him to know today's a day we're going to get ready for school, maybe you sing the days of the week because a lot of kids sing that in circle time, okay. like as a welcome. Right. I don't know. Pick your own song. I just try to come up with some ideas. Maybe if it's a church day, there's um, a favorite hymn, you know, that maybe they always sing at church or maybe the doxology or something that you wake up oh. in the morning and you sing wow. something and yeah. it indicates to the child hey this is a church day we're going to church maybe a favorite lullaby indicates it's time for bed right so just think of the barney song the cleanup song and think how powerful that was um maybe you sing take me out uh to the ball game uh Mm -hmm. to indicate today's a sports event day we're either going to go watch big brother or big sister play or you're going to go play t-ball you know whatever it is so maybe so again just think about using music to help prepare the child's nervous system for what is what kind of day this is? Well, think about like Christmas music. You put it puts you in the mood for Christmas, exactly, right? Exactly, right? exactly. The holidays. It's and... all about preparation, yeah. right? So you have holiday music. You have right, right, absolutely. You have church music. Church you have music, music to sing yeah. at school, right? Yep. So think about that. All right, number eight for kids who can read. Really think about offering written cues, okay? Literally write it down in a word format. For kids who can read, that can be, you don't need to bother with all the pictures. For some kids, that's really helpful. Bullet points. But yeah, bullet points. Think about that. You know, make Mm -hmm. a list of these are the five things we're going to do today, okay? And if they can tell time, like for Aaron, who can tell time now, and we could literally write out a list of these are the things you need to do. You know, I'm a list guy. Yes, so yes. Bullet List, points are like very helpful for younger in my, kids. In my wheelhouse. For younger kids who, like Aaron, always had a deep interest in letters, in spelling words. So think about using like refrigerator magnet letters or using the Scrabble or the Bananagram tiles. Like mm-hmm. you can, you don't have to just use a pen and paper. You can write it out in mm-hmm. more interesting ways. I mean, getting out the little Scrabble, the little wooden boards, and you know, putting the 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 word on there. Of I where can we're remember going that next. Aaron wanted to do the subjects when we homeschooled him for a while Uh uh-huh he wanted to do them in alphabetical order in alphabetical order because Mm -hmm. man i will tell you because i asked him well how do you want to do it Uh uh-huh uh-huh and that's what he came up with yeah yeah um he runs on systems that's how we've always described aaron he runs on systems and you just need to find out what his system is well i gave him control over that system too that's right absolutely all right number nine 
offer a transition object that signifies what the change is going to be. So handing the child a book means it's time to go to the library or it's time for story time. Handing the child a spoon helps them understand it's time to go eat. Handing them a shirt or a pair of socks, it's Mm -hmm. time to go get dressed. A rubber ducky, it's time for a bath. A toothbrush, it's time to go brush your teeth. So see how you use an actual physical object to just help support that transition. Number 10 I'm going to say we have to be careful with this one. The first then, okay? Like first we're doing this and then we're going to do this. I just want you guys to be careful. Don't make this about compliance. Mm -hmm. Don't use this first do your work and then you get a reward. I know that's used a lot in the educational setting. Um, The problem is it really, um, the child feels no control, you know? So when I say first then, it's more about transitioning away from something you're doing now just so you know what's coming next so you know first you're going to watch the show bluey or whatever the show is you want to watch and then we're going to the grocery store it's just to let him know this is what's coming next more as preparation but not a reward not as a reward i know it's used a lot as a reinforcer as a reward system but that's not what i mean by first then this isn't about establishing compliance like first we're going to finish this activity and Uh then we're going to move to this other activity well yeah like let's I mean, say let's you... say in the in the if you're in a classroom setting where it is a little more structured and you know at 10 a.m we do circle time do you know okay. what i mean at 10 a.m so at 9 40 the child is let's say in centers you know maybe they're playing in the block center or whatever mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. they're doing or maybe they're doing morning work i don't know whatever it is they're sure. doing you can let them know morning work is first and then we go to circle time you sure. know just to kind okay. of it's just what comes next that's all it is it's just just another generalization it is instead how... of using a visual schedule that maybe has 10 things on it because think how overwhelming that can be for some kids sometimes sure. they just need to know what's next literally just right. what's the next thing so first we're doing this and then we're going here okay mm-hmm. okay um so it can just help uh with 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 that kind of um preparation all right number 11 be sure to clearly signal um whether an activity is done for good or whether it's something the child can come back to at a later time like sometimes it might be well we have to go to grandma's house right now because we have to take her to the doctor like we don't have any flexibility here but when we get back you can finish this so what you can do whether this is at home or at school you can have a box and you could have a finished box and then you could have a finish later box or a come back to box so like let's say they're playing with a puzzle and they are not ready to be done and you can say, we'll put that in the comeback later box so that they understand, they'll start to understand if you're consistent with this. This is a finished, so you're all done with it and you want to put it away. We'll just put it in here because we need to go. And that means it's finished and that helps the child understand. Mm-hmm. I'm done with this and it's time to transition. But if it's in the comeback later box or the finish later box, it helps them know, yes, I'm done now, but when I get home, I, I get to it. come right back to this. Yeah. Right? So that's another nice. thing to consider. Number 12, we got two more. Be mindful of the environment when transitioning. If it is loud and chaotic and overwhelming, I'm just going to tell you right now, transitions are going to be more difficult. Be hard for me. It's hard for any of us. Change is hard. Don't ever forget those three words. Change is hard. So if you're asking the child to transition Mm -hmm. and do something hard, then you've got to um, affect the environment. That is the one thing we can do is we can try to create the environment. So if it's, let's say it's time, let's say you're in a classroom setting and it's time to go to recess and this child just in general struggles with the transition because now we have to put coats on, you know what I mean? Because now it's cold to here in the Midwest, we have to put our coat on. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's always difficult. So maybe it's chaotic to get all the kids lined up, get them out the door. So maybe 
the teacher's assistant or, you know, somebody or the teacher, or the paraprofessional, somebody stays in with the child, allows them to keep playing with the thing they're doing, get the other kids out on the playground and then indicate it's time for you know wait for the chaos to die down a little bit right like that's that's, another strategy okay and then finally i'm sure we could come up with more but you know we don't want to be here all day so the last (laughs) strategy that i that i came up with was avoid transitioning from a preferred to a non-preferred activity okay so instead you want to transition from a preferred activity to a neutral activity so here's an example. Let's say the child loves Legos. Legos are their favorite thing, right. okay? But they really don't like brushing their teeth. Like that is their least favorite, you know, hygiene routine to engage in. So you wouldn't want to transition from playing Legos in the family room to brushing their teeth. Because do you understand that is going from a very highly preferred, enjoyable activity to something that they, they really don't, like. don't love. Yeah. So instead, you want to transition from Legos to a more neutral activity that they don't mind. Um, it's not hated. It's not loved. It's just more neutral. So maybe they're okay with being read to. You know, let's just say that's the thing that they're okay with. So you would transition from Legos to reading a book, then to brushing your teeth. Okay. Does that make so, sense? It's just yeah. a strategy to just, try. Yeah. Just, because none of us want to stop doing something super, super fun and do something super, super awful taking taking the scenic route yeah it's taking the scenic route so you better as an adult you better have good executive function skills and be able to do you know backwards math which is if i need to have you know this done done at 8 p.m and i know that we're going to need a a neutral transition in there you know what i mean you have to make sure you you leave enough time planning is an executive function skill absolutely so anyways um we're going to go ahead and wrap up i hope you found some of those tips helpful again you wouldn't they're not all going to work every time with every child it was a lot yeah it was kind of it's kind of fun when you just sit down and start coming up with all that so thank you for listening to jim and i blather on (laughs) right uh thanks for listening to another episode of the slp talk show if you're enjoying the podcast please tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your colleagues to give us a listen now get out there be kind be accepting put your screens down for a bit and go outside it's a beautiful world and please 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 Don't forget to schedule your mammogram. Early detection could save your life. As an 11-year breast cancer survivor, it certainly saved mine. Until we meet again, cheers. Cheers.